0: Hey there, I am Barb Higgins and this is a Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumph, and tragedy as I continue to retrace my steps onto what led to the death of my daughter Molly. By doing so, I hope to not only help myself, but to bring purpose and possibility to those who listen. If you are ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, then tie, buckle, face up, or slip on your shoes, and join me as we begin our 1,000 Tiny Steps. Hey, everybody. Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 127 of 1,000 Tiny Steps. As I begin today's episode, it is the end of January. You'll be hearing this sort of early February. We are having a little bit of a sunny respite here in northern New England. We had a slushy, crappy day yesterday, and we have one coming tomorrow. So today is sort of warm just a nice little break weather-wise. I'm in my favorite room of the house and it gets windows on all sides. The sun shines in in the morning, in the afternoon. I've just rearranged it. So what I'm doing is I'm just setting the stage for you that in this, in this month of despair, <laughs> January has sucked. I'm in a nice little small feel good sort of space. So I recorded a podcast episode yesterday and all I really did was summarize how crappy January was. I did talk about our Tamron Hall stint and, I, and I'll talk about that a little bit still. But it was just one of those moments where I needed to record a podcast. I had an hour to myself. I thought I can just make it up as I go along and it really didn't work out well. When I went to download it onto, you know, put it into Drive so I could send it to my editor, it it wouldn't transfer, it was so annoying. So I just left it and I went to work out and it was halfway through my workout yesterday afternoon with my good friend, Pam, that I realized the reason I couldn't transfer the podcast episode is I wasn't supposed to send that one you weren't supposed to listen to what I talked about yesterday. So today, what I'm going to talk about is this Friday that I had, that was a really hard day for me. I spent a lot of time crying, just sort of pondering things. As you all know, I've been really in an angry space and I've been working through it really well, I think, and and being able to find gratitude and mindfulness in the anger, but I'm not, you know, I'm really not in a good place in many ways. And I'm working out with my friend Pam and it dawns on me that in the middle of this really despairing time, I bookended my day with two really important people in my life. So the first one is my friend Deb. And I've known Deb since seventh grade math. I've talked about Deb a lot. And we can go months without seeing one another. And we sit down at a breakfast. I think the last time I saw her was breakfast months ago. And we pick up right where we left off. And I love those friendships. And I've had so many of those friendships in my life. But as you get older and your life, you know, your life just narrows. And you know, 30 years ago we had social life and I had coaching and, and I running clubs and book clubs and all these going out on the weekends and you know, 50 million social things, timing road races. I was out and about all the time. I was surrounded by people. The month of January has showed me that other than CrossFit coaching, I really don't see anybody. I've spent a lot of time in my house with my family or alone. And a lot of my work is solitary. And so I think that gets me squirrely. Sometimes I feel like this is just me. Like what's wrong with me? Like, where am I failing? What am I going through? Am I falling apart? Am I getting depressed? Is it menopause? Is it motherhood? What is it, right? So I have breakfast with Deb and we we catch up on all the details. I do all my venting. She does all her venting. That's what good friends do, we vent. It's a safe place to complain about things that are frustrating us. And we stopped sort of amidst, you know, once we'd sort of gotten everything off our chest and shared, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, we just sort of pondered on where we were in our lives, that work has slowed down. You know, yes, I have Jack, so I have this child in my life, but I'm not a young mother in the throes of motherhood. I'm an older woman that happens to have a two-year-old. It's a different dynamic. And that dynamic in and of itself is isolating. So we talk about older people who mother. And how they aren't grandmothers, all their friends who are grandparents still have free time. They travel, they move south, they split their time between two homes. They're in a very different part of life. I have this child, right? So that's not my part of life. If I were to join a play group or go stand in line at kindergarten drop-off, I'm old enough to be the mothers of the other parents. So I've created a situation for myself where I don't really fit in anywhere, right? Where, Where it's isolating, Motherhood can be isolating anyway. I was just on a podcast called More Milk Please, which is mostly about breastfeeding, you know, experiences and new moms. And one of the common threads is how isolating motherhood can be. Suddenly you're just swallowed up in this little teeny tiny human that you brought here that demands your full emotional, physical, mental attention. I and mean, how isolating that is. So so Deb and I talked about all these things. We talked about parenting. We talked about parenting adults versus parenting children. We talked about getting older. We talked about marriage and relationships and sort of how as we get older we begin to live parallel lives and that really this is actually normal that as all of us age we become much more self-absorbed and not in a selfish way just in, in a reflective way you know we're marching toward our lives coming to a close not with it all ahead of us more of it's behind us now all of these things are just thought shifts so i came away from breakfast feeling a lot better feeling bummed out that you know Deb is on a plane to Florida now and I won't see her for months and months, although she's been home for months and months and I haven't seen her, you know, so it, it almost doesn't matter where she is, but sad about that, but really grateful and happy that I have her in my life, that she's this person that I can count on. She's honest with me and I can be honest with her. I'm not afraid to tell her what I really think. And she's not afraid to tell me what she really thinks, but it's never in a condescending or insulting way. It's always, it's always with love and with support. And always with the realization that I don't have to agree or she doesn't have to agree with me. So I come home and I have a day and I get some things done and, and it's sort of okay. You know, I, I have all of my typical struggles with Kenny. I have all my typical struggles with, with my schedule and following through on goals for myself and what do I really want? And, you know, all of the things that are constant sort of battles for me. And the afternoon starts to roll around and I haven't worked out yet. And I know that I'm going to go and work out. And right about the time I think I should text Pam to see if she wants to work out. I get a text from Pam. Hey, I'm going to work out. Do you want to go work out with me? So we meet at the gym. If I have to choose a favorite person to work out with, it has to be Pam. We just clicked. So we did the same thing. So I sat at a breakfast table with Deb and ate yummy eggs and drank coffee and had conversations. And then I sat face-to-face on a rower with Pam. And we rode and we did box step overs and hammer curls and sit-ups and lifted weights. We did all of our CrossFit activities. All the while, we never once stopped our conversations. We talked the whole time through about all of the same things. We all have very different lives. Deb, Pam, and I all have incredibly different lives. Deb works part-time. She can work remotely, so she can work from you know her two homes. Pam also works remotely now, but she works full-time. She's very local here all the time. All of us have children in our 20s. Debs are maybe even in their 30s now. I have this baby, Deb has a grandbaby. There's lots of commonalities and threads. At the end of my conversation with Pam, just like the end of my conversation with Deb, all three of us sort of pondered whether or not we're depressed. Are we depressed? Like what's wrong with us? What's going on? Are we depressed? Like like none of us just feel good about anything right now. We just feel like, ugh. And it's all very different symptoms for us. We feel ungood about very different things. But the real common thread here is that we're 60, 60, and 61. So we're the same age. We all have significant others in our love, in our lives, in some various stage of marriage or living together or still connected. We have children. We have work that we love. We have things that we do. We have connections. We have lives that we can have incredible gratitude for. And the three of us talked about that, that even in the midst of really hating our life and feeling depressed and and unfulfilled or sad or frustrated or whatever it was that in the big picture of things, we're lucky. We have amazing lives. You know, We have the ability to be sad in beautiful homes. We have the ability to be sad eating out at a restaurant, having someone bring us food. We're not hungry. We have the, the ability to be sad on a beach or by a pool or at a ski resort. We have the ability to be sad in a gym We have the ability physically to step up over boxes and pull rowing machines and lift dumbbells for 45 minutes, all the while conversing and talking and sharing. We are three really incredibly lucky women. So why why the depression? Well, female bodies and female psyches are very unique. Nothing like male bodies and male psyches whatsoever. It does not matter what you call yourself. These differences are physical, they're hormonal, they're physiological, they're chemical, they're biological. They're the nature of the human species, the scientific side of reality. All of the hormones in female bodies that sort of promote and create the ability for the female body to get impregnated, grow a baby, deliver a baby, then feed the baby, right? All of these things are a tremendous dance within the body for years and years and years. And when these things come to an end, when the body is no longer deemed scientifically suitable by itself to do these things, Another set of hormones come in and there, and there can be imbalance and lots and lots of women going through menopause are put on antidepressants or just told, well, this is it too bad for you. But of course, science and research shows that that lots and lots of things can play into this response. So Pam and Deb and I at age 60 are well into or through menopause. So the, the big range of hormonal influctuations has gone away, right? That's not there for us so much. We're much more stable in that way we have a lot more self-confidence than we did because we just don't give a shit anymore. You know, I was, on, I was on Tamron Hall and the quote they use, when you see the word crap in writing, you realize how classless you sound. But I was talking about being an older mother and that one of the things that made it easier is I don't give a crap what people think, and I don't. <laughs> and so there's an element of being our age that is very freeing. You know, if a guy doesn't like my ass, I don't freaking care. You know, the days of me worrying about what my ass looks like are over. And why I never should worry about that anyway is a whole other question. But But you get my gist here. We're just at a phase in our life where we've been able to let go of these things. So it got me thinking, though, I you know, I, as I was talking with Pam and having almost an almost identical conversation with Pam that I had with Deb, I'm like, so what is it? Like what's going on here? So I went back to Eric Erickson. He's a psychologist, and I talked about him. He's a child a developmental psychologist. and I talked about him a while back in a podcast episode when Rusty died, I think it was that one. It was a few weeks ago. And I talked about the different stages. And so what's wonderful about Erickson is he doesn't stop the developmental stages like at age 20. Like, all right, you're an adult, now you're done. He really carries it through life and he breaks it down. And so right now, Deb and Pam and I are in middle adulthood. So we're at the tail end of middle adulthood. All of Erikson's stages have the following categorizations. So they have the age. They have the virtues. What virtue might be assigned to this time of your life? What crisis? So there's always a crisis, a conflict in each stage for Erickson in his theories. The significant relationships. So it could be people, it could be a thing. What's the question? Each stage has an overriding question. And finally, what are some of the events that occur in this stage? So middle adulthood is age 45 to 64. Now, the beauty of these stages, and go ahead and Google them and look them up because it's actually really interesting and can give a lot of perspective on what you might be feeling, whatever your age. There's some fluidity. Obviously, You know, I have a child, so I'm living the reality of somebody in young adulthood, right? Or early adulthood, not necessarily middle adulthood. Now, more and more women are having babies in their 40s. So again, some of the details around middle adulthood, according to Erickson, are based on the fact that you're done with all these things by the time you're in your 40s and you're moving into a different part of life. So middle adulthood is ages 45 to 64 and the major virtue is care. So care, self-care, care for others, environmental care. I will say as you age, or for me, as I've aged and gone through life, I always use the analogy of climbing up a mountain. I just feel like I have a bigger perspective on life because I have more of it behind me. There's more that I can turn around and look at and look back at, and I can see connections as I get further along. So care makes good sense. My problem is I care too much sometimes about the things that bring me down and I don't care enough about the things that are actually helpful and good. My friend Taylor, she's so solid and she made an observation of me that she used it as a money thing. So here's somebody putting money in your pocket, Barbara, and you're telling them, go away, go away, go away. And here's someone taking it out of your pocket and you're saying, how can I please you? How can I please you? And she's right. Sometimes I focus on making somebody that hates me like me rather than just telling them to take a hike and focusing on the people in my life that really care. So the overriding emotion here is or virtue is care. And I look at Pam and I look at Deb. Both of these women are absolutely exuding concern and care over their families, over themselves, over their relationships, over their, their current realities. Deb has extended family. She cares for her mother. She has a granddaughter. You know, She has all sorts of extensions to herself now that involve a lot of love and care for her. And she facilitates caring for her environment and the people in it. Pam had me listen to a song, a country song, which I don't remember the name of now. It's called Three Feet Tall, I think. And it's about a little boy. The singer is remembering when he was a child and his parents separated. And that even though he was only three feet tall, it didn't all go over his head and how he spent so much time thinking it might've been his fault. The song made her cry. Like she got so emotional, just... Thinking back to how a little kid would feel, watching his parents separate and thinking it was something he did. So clearly all of us are consumed with care right now. Erickson is so right. It's almost trite. So that, that wasn't lost on me as I, as I was reflecting on these visits. So what's our crisis in middle adulthood? Generativity versus stagnation. So generativity is the staying connected, keeping things going, being involved, still being a moving part, you know, a meaningful piece of the, of the puzzle you know a cog in the wheel not being removed out of it now and then stagnation is so generativity versus stagnation so what came to mind for me is my current school board situation the current president of the school board just wants me she's i can't say bad things about her cuz we're on the school board but it's it's a really hard place for me to be because what she has done is is made me stagnant she's taken away any responsibility or leadership role for me and really just put me in a place where all i can do is like you know, listen to everyone else, you know, and maybe I need to listen to other people, but you know, I have all this school board experience and none of it, I'm, I can't even utilize so much of it. And the biggest piece for me that I care about is that she doesn't think I'm worthier than I can. And it's just insulting or I don't do it in a way that she likes. It's hard to say, but at any rate, that's one of my conflicts right now, school board. How do I stay meaningfully connected without making her think it's okay that she treated me so poorly? It's, it's a huge conflict for me. In thinking back to my conversations with both Deb and with Pam, both of them are engaged in work and enjoy their work. Both of them also see that work can interfere with things they'd rather be doing. So retirement or having a shift or a change comes into play, but they also really, they want to continue to matter. Neither Deb or Pam or me are ready to stop. I look at Kenny and he's happily stagnant. (laughs) His perfect day would be to sit up and not have to do anything. Maybe hit a golf ball, maybe watch some TV maybe putts about the kitchen, you know, he might deny it, but when push comes to shove, that guy can sit around better than anybody. And and maybe he's earned the right. He's beyond middle adulthood now. He's in late adulthood and, and that's part of late adulthood, reflecting, sitting back and looking. He's in a different phase of life right now. Pam is also, you know, she works out and she does yoga and she runs and, you know, she's constantly looking for ways to engage herself, constantly looking for ways to connect. It's one of my favorite things about her. Everything to Pam is a new and fresh idea. And things within the gym, social events, you know, she, she takes a huge interest in people. I love that about her. So all of us, all of us, I think, walk that line between continuing to matter and feeling like our lives have slowed down so much that we're just at a standstill and we're just going to become stagnant in our old wrinkly selves. Significant relationships. So it's household and workmates. So the people you live with, and the people you work with. Those are your primary social connections right now. And this would make sense. The nightlife and partying and parties and socializing is often associated with youth and young people who have time and energy to do these things. Older people, a lot of their socializing comes in late adulthood when they're retired, and they can go golfing or canoeing or fishing or camping or the things that you can do when you don't have to go to work anymore. So household, that's Kenny, Gracie, Jack, and me. And as much as I might sort of find fault or complain with how things go and how frustrated I can get in my current reality. We just recently went to New York City to be on the Tamron Hall show. And when the four of us are in a car, as stressful as it can be when we're traveling, we all sort of have roles that we step into and we function really well. We do well. You know, we get where we're going. We're sort of a well-oiled machine when it comes to travel. And Jack is so experienced at traveling now that he, oh, we're going to a hotel. Okay, oh. Like he understands all the dynamics of travel. And then workmates, Gracie's social life right now really is Little Sprouts where she works and and the friends that she works with. Kenny doesn't have workmates and this I think can be a problem for him. His primary connections right now would be family. And even then a lot of his time is just spent alone or with Jack. I don't know that that's super healthy. I think it would be smart for Kenny to get a part-time job not because he necessarily needs to earn money but because it would get him out and about and interacting with people. I think it would be good for him. And I think as I'm giving this podcast, this is a realization for me that he doesn't have a lot of external connections. Sadly, some of his friendship connections often involve alcohol and, you know, and unhealthy eating and things like this. So it isn't, always, it isn't always an easy thing for him to participate in with all his health issues. But you know that, that I can't take that on for him. That's something he would have to figure out on his own. The question for middle adulthood is, can I make my life count? This is huge. And again, for me, this comes back to school board. Like how, if, I do, if I have no leadership role on the school board, do I even matter? And I definitely feel like I don't matter on the board. I feel like I matter because I know the answer to something. Well, why should I even share the answer if you don't think I'm worthy to lead the board? You, you only want me around to bail you out when you're in trouble. That's how that feels for me. I remember a friend of mine got let go from a job, sort of demoted. And so the person that sort of took over what he was doing would come to him all the time and say, hey, do you know where this is? Hey, you've done this. How do you do that? And he said, hey, it's not my job anymore. You figure it out. You said you didn't need me, so you don't get me. And that's how I feel sometimes. There were several times, we had our school board retreat today, and there were several times that questions and conversations went around that I just sat quietly because had I had a stake in it, I would have spoken up. And two of the people really most direct directly responsible for me feeling the way I do, you know, would, would say, you know, if you want something, you can reach out. You can ask, you know, like they sort of kept trying to call me out. And I just finally asked them, look, if I have something to say, I'll say it. But I definitely want my life to count. And there are times where I feel it doesn't. And school board is one of them. You know, I, I know that my answers help people, but another example of this for me was at Amuscade CrossFit when, you know, I helped them with all this financial money. I paid off debts for the former owner, right? Thousands of dollars I sunk into this gym. And then they put a coaching staff together and they're like, oh, we just want you to be the substitute coach if someone else can't. And they wouldn't give me a shift. I find that incredibly insulting. And that's exactly how I feel with school board right now. Yeah, we want you to answer our questions, but we don't, we don't want to put you in charge of anything. And it's, it's hard for me to feel okay with it. And I cannot stand the fluff that people give trying to justify it and make it okay. You know, it's, it's not okay. So can I make my life count is a major question for me right now. In thinking to my conversations with Pam and with Deb, I think they feel the same way. Very, very different circumstances. Again, you know, Pam's son and their son's father, they're very successful landscapers and builders. They do amazing things. Her son is healthy and solid. You know, she has a lot to be proud of. And so her life is really about her now. She sits at a computer all day. Her company's remote now, spends a lot of time by herself. Her social life is the gym and connecting with her family. So how does her life count? Where in her life does she matter? And same for Deb, and I think, I think Deb and I have a more similar situation than Pam and I, in the sense that Deb is relied upon to take care of things. And that can get exhausting after a while, because sometimes it would be nice for someone else to take care of things, right? I just think sometimes that's the oldest daughter, the oldest daughter vibe going on right there. And then the major events for middle adulthood are work and parenthood, and again, those two things right now. I've you know I haven't I haven't coached since the first week of January, and that's been another whole long process. My work, my work has been trying to organize an office and work on the foundation and you know work on the podcast and everything. And and mostly I've worked on taking care of everybody through Kenny's surgery recovery. Am I frustrated? Yeah, big conflict. Right. What, when do I count? And I think for for Deb and for Pam, work and parenthood continues to be a major piece of who they are. Let me also be clear. This is a time when you still have parents around that you begin to parent your parents. Deb takes care of her mom quite a bit, drives her places, does a lot of things when she's up. My dad's in the hospital right now. I'm not sure why. It's this in and out, in and out of the hospital as health is failing. We live in a country that doesn't really take care of our older, older citizens. So now my siblings and I are really caring for my parents. So parenthood sort of changes, changes shape a little bit, if you know what I mean. So let me Talk a little bit for me about work. When I was bored in the school board retreat today, I took some notes on some goals for February. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to write things down every day and stay a bit focused that way. So when looking at January, I could be very, very depressed. There's like three more days left in January, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, right? Or maybe four days. And I have a lot to accomplish in four days if I want to meet my January goals. So I sort of re-looked at, okay, what can I, how can I look at January and be okay with it? So I haven't been coaching CrossFit. So, I have to be really clear. I really, really miss interacting with people. I miss the act of coaching itself. I don't miss the hours and hours away from home that happen when I'm coaching. And so, it makes me really ponder where does coaching fit in my life right now? The other thing I've enjoyed with the break from coaching is I'm focusing much more on my own fitness. If I only have an hour to go to the gym, it's me working out. When I'm coaching, I can spend six hours in a CrossFit gym and not get to work on it because I'm coaching. And then when I'm done coaching, it's either late at night and I want to drive home or I'm exhausted or I don't want to work out alone. So my own fitness has suffered quite a bit since I've been coaching, you know, 10 to 12 CrossFit classes a week. So I'm, I'm missing the income. I know that that's going to affect me a lot, but every day I get to wake up with Jack. And that's such a gift. He's so yummy. <laughs> oh my God, he's the sweetest thing. And I get to have a much more normal start to my day. So in looking at how do I reintroduce coaching into my life? I really have to think about it and and I think I don't I can't jump jump back into it like I was doing it before. I just don't think it will work. And so it's a lot to ponder, but again, I don't feel downtrodden by it. I feel more like how do I how do I put a life together that really makes me feel like I count that I'm Still connected and involved, that I'm not stagnant or stopping, that my life isn't now a waiting game, like I'm not a decommissioned middle school waiting to be torn down. <laughs> I wrote a blog about my school board stuff, and I put that in there, how I feel. so anyway, ending January with those visits with Deb and Pam, sitting through a school board retreat where, if you haven't read my blog on that, take a read. It's really hard to to sit there and feel okay about being there. And the hardest part for me is the people that treated me so poorly, the very next meeting, they're like, oh, hey, Barb, like everything is fine. And it just isn't fine. You can't act a certain way and say it was in the capacity of a board member and then make believe everything's fine and that everything's hunky dory and we could be friends. It doesn't sit right with me at all. But I had a very hard time being at that meeting. I did not have a hard time having conversations around, around issues and things that we're discussing, but to listen to everyone but me. Have a leadership role. Everyone but me and the two brand new people had something to share and something to facilitate. And I didn't. And I was on the board two years earlier than the next senior board member. Do I sound whiny? It's because I am. I haven't let go of this yet. It'll come. It just doesn't sit well with me at all. And I'm not quite sure how to manage it. But I had a good talk with a couple of people at the meeting about it that are not on the board. And so that was helpful. So finally, in in sort of summarizing January and looking ahead to February, keep up with my emails and keep up with my blogs and keep up with my Facebook lives, because that's where I can sort of keep you apprised of the day-to-day. But as horrible as January was, as much as I didn't eat well the way I wanted to, as much as I didn't avoid alcohol completely, as much as I didn't get everything done in my house that I wanted or with the foundation or with anything, I did get to be on the Tamron Hall Show, which was pretty exciting. That was a wonderful experience. I did start and complete four weeks, the first round of the Wendler lifting cycle. And I'm committed to improving my weightlifting ability, my strength and ability. I also did overhead squat mobility every time I went to the gym. And when I first went in the very beginning of January, I could take a PVC and squat to just about parallel with the PVC over my arms, like in a snatch position for an overhead squat that was it. And now I can take a 25 pound bar and do a below parallel overhead squat and hold it for five seconds. That might mean nothing to those of you listening, but it's huge. It's upper back strength. It's shoulder mobility. It's neck mobility. It's, it's hip mobility. It, it's all of the things that are at the foundation of a lot of other CrossFit movements. I have some pretty big goals CrossFit wise that have been really put on the back burner for months and months now. So in my middle adulthood, continuing journey, I'm going to practice self-care and really practice it for myself, not just for everyone else. And I'll do that through continuing good nutrition and mobility work and weightlifting. I'll leave it at that. I will stay connected through working out. I would like to hire a CrossFit coach to coach me. I'd love to go to the CrossFit game someday. I'm going to work with Jen again around nutrition because I don't eat junky food, but I don't eat a good combination of foods. So I know I could do much better to make sure I'm getting enough fruits and vegetables versus starches and things like that. In terms of my relationships, I do need to cultivate a better and more consistent social life. I need to, I need to keep in better touch with those that matter to me in the friendship realm. And I need to have consistent Molly B foundation meetings because that's another way that I would have social interaction with people outside of my home. Can I make my life count? Quite honestly, I'd be, I'd be a complete egomaniac if I sat up here and said, oh, my life doesn't count. I know that my life counts. I know that taking my family to New York City and telling my story on a, na- on a national talk show is huge. It's me sharing my personal details to hopefully help other people. I get it. I've lost a child and I'm willing to talk about that. There are things that I do that I know are meaningful and good. My nature is just to continually look at the, the shortcomings rather than the successes. And then finally, work and parenthood. And I need to I need to make money and I need to maybe promote my book more and find ways to have an income that... That is solid. I don't want to just live on dead Molly money. It makes me feel sick. I don't like it. And parenthood, Jack's biggest thing to me is, you angry mama? Put on your happy face. It looks like this. And then he'll smile at me. So he knows, he sees my face and knows that I'm worrying or that I look upset. And he doesn't like it. He wants me to be happy. And he brings it up all the time. So, you know, that's a significant detail in my life right now. You know, I should, I should not always be sad around Jack. So anyway, I hope this was easy to follow along. You know, it was sort of geared toward older women, but no matter what your age is, go ahead and look up what life stage you're in according to Erickson and see if any of, any of those details fit for you. It's just an interesting way to look at yourself that isn't self-critical or self-deprecating. I just found it really interesting. But I'll also keep you apprised, pay attention to my lives and all that around, around my school board journey. I'm gonna, <laughs> it'll be an interesting year. That's the truth. Anyway, this is sort of a quick little shot, but I wanted to share what a wonderful day I had with two really good friends, one whom I've known for 48 years and one whom I've known for five years, six years. It'll be six years this summer. So they came into my life at very different times, but have incredible meaning and value to me now. And it's a wonderful thing. And they're my age. Yay. Okay, so be good to yourself. Always be good to yourself. Once you've been good to yourself, be good to someone else. And as always... Have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories, as I love connecting with my listeners. If you would like to get to know Molly, head over to mollybfoundation.org to see what she is all about. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore four, four, four. On Facebook is Barb Higgins and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.